Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Group Answers Podcast, a weekly show designed to resource, train, and encourage small group leaders. Each episode considers current trends and resources, as well as timeless truths and methods of discipleship. It's hosted by Brian Daniel and Chris Surratt. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Group Answers Show, and do we have a treat today? I'm Brian Daniel, and in parentheses, as always, with Chris Surratt. Hey, Welcome hey. back, everybody. Chris. Yeah. What's up, Brian Matthew McConaughey Daniel? <laughs> well, we are steaming towards the my favorite holiday of the year, which is the longest day of the year. The most sunshine that any human can expect happens on June 21st, every year. The what is it, summer solstice or what do they call it? Yeah, that? solstice. Yeah, the equinox yeah. I think is fall and spring, and solstice is uh, solstice winter is, and summer. Is but, winter and but summer. Who's yeah. Man, poor. Have you seen what's happening in Texas? South, like southern Texas, they're having 112, 120 degree weather right now, which is just insane. Yeah, well, I, that means know. nothing, but um, to us, but yeah, poor people. I my guess relatives it, in Houston. That's just what I call Texas, though. I mean, isn't that every year? I mean, it's the same thing. I, no, yeah, I don't. Is thing that is, different? Is it different? I, I lived in Houston for a long time, and the humidity is so high that it literally, if you get over like 95 degrees, it's almost not livable. It's crazy. But Not livable. Well, today we, we, we digress. Wanna, yeah, we want to welcome in. Uh, our friend and colleague and uh, just outstanding contributor to Lifeway Christian Resources. Is it okay to call you doctor? Can we do that? Can sure. Do that, doctor. Like one of five people in the world who do. That'd be great. Doctor, <laughs> doctor, and the rest of them are in your family, I guess. Dr. Rob Timms, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for having hey, me on. It's been, hey, a hot, it's been a hot year or two, but thanks. I know. I know. Hey, Rob, I've got this rash that I thought you might. <laughs> it's not that kind of doctor. Not that kind of doctor. Sorry. No. But I'm we not do, surprised Chris has a rash. I we do know. that every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you talk about digressing. Rob is currently. Uh, Rob's currently very much attached to our um, curriculum ministry, the uh, Bible study making part of Lifeway Christian Resources. Rob's been with Lifeway now for, it's been more than a decade, right? Right, right on a decade. Right on. Woo. That's a long time. And so Rob, in his time uh, in his time with us, has uh, worked most closely. In fact, was responsible for the launch of smallgroup.com. Uh, came in on that team, led that team faithfully and competently for years. And uh, moved on to greener pastures, and he works across the different functions and age groups with our uh, with our in our curriculum lines. Explore the Bible, Bible studies for life, and uh, the Gospel Project. So, Rob, you do a lot of things attached to those attached to those lines of curriculum, and most recently, you've been very involved in some of the uh, decisions that are made with uh, on the digital side. So, welcome back to the Group Answer Show, Dr. Rob Timms. Thanks, guys. I will say I use smallgroup.com every single week. 
yes. Rockvale to help me write um, discussion questions. It was kind of the AI before AI. That's AI <laughs> Bible study. This giant searchable library. That's right. Yes. I use yes. it to help me write sermon prompts for introductions and illustrations for a text. It's great. It's a beautiful tool. It really is that not a lot of people know about. So check it out. Small group, not small groups, small group. Very important. Com. Right. Yes. Right. So we asked, uh, we asked Rob to be on the show today. And uh, one of the things that, one of the discussions that is, uh, it's, it's, it's evolved over the years, but it is the juxtaposition of on-campus small group ministry and off-campus small group ministry. And typically these are referred to in the former as Sunday school and in the latter as small groups, even though, uh, that those terms are at least in the, in the purest way of understanding those, it's not, it's not as cut and dry as what it once was. So we thought uh, we would, uh, we would take on that conversation today uh, along various fronts and begin with uh, uh, Chris. Some of you know, does work with the unstuck organization, which is a church consultant um, outfit. And um, that group has just released some research. We thought it might be fun to start there, Chris, and just see what is it that the research has turned up in this conversation that might be helpful. Yeah, the Unstuck group uh, does a quarterly report. Uh, we work with um, tons of churches, and so we send out surveys, much, lo- much like Lifeway Research, but on a smaller scale. But uh, yeah, just asking them different things about their growth and in, in numbers and stuff like that. And also we have hard numbers from working with the churches. And um, one of the, I don't know if it's surprising stats, but one of the stats that jumped out on uh, the quarterly report uh, for the first quarter of this year was that growing churches are more likely to have small groups and more people connected to those smaller groups while declining churches are more likely to have Sunday school. And so, you know, that's, that's, that's a cut and dry kind of definition of small groups being offsite, off campus, in homes, whereas Sunday school would be on campus. So kind of an interesting stat to, to think about that the, the, the churches they're seeing growing tend to have more people in small groups and the ones that have Sunday school are declining. And then they, they dug into the numbers. Uh, one of the, the numbers is that uh, a year ago, there were uh, about 55% of uh, church people said that they had people in groups and that has declined to like 51%. So uh, even though the churches are growing, they're not keeping up with the growth when it comes to small groups. But uh, the growing ones tend to have off campus. So there you go. There's some numbers. I would begin by saying I'm not sure this is corollary there between the Sunday score. There's a corollary, but no call causation. Causation, yes. Yeah, yeah they're on the Sunday school decline. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I, without looking at the without looking at the hard data, uh, <laughs> it would be very difficult for me to to arrive at that conclusion. Without without taking a look at the deeper level, but it, it it there are lots of variables there. I think that could that could be at work not not simply because one method is outpacing another on the virtues of that one method over the other. 
I agree. I mean, I, I, and I think Tony would agree. Tony Morgan, who heads up the unsuck group. I mean, this is just a, a snapshot obviously of churches they work with and the majority of the churches that unstuck works with would, would probably have small groups rather than Sunday school. Um, so that probably skews the numbers a little bit, but I do think that there are some things that limit, your on-campus ministry that uh, off-campus opens up. I mean, just space. And we <clears throat> we can get into all this. You know, you only have so much space for on-campus groups, so you are automatically limited by how many that you can put into a Sunday school hour or two hours. Whereas if you go off-campus, you can have every night of the week, every house in your in your congregation or coffee houses or whatever you you choose to host a small group so i think there are some limitations to just space now we can talk about philosophy but that's a whole different whole different deal i that's i i downloaded that research i was at the southern baptist convention i downloaded it, so i just kind of flipped through the slides so I didn't study it and I and I don't have any recall over it. So that news is kind of interesting and I'm trying to put it in its place. Like what do Sunday school churches might have in common that would contribute to this? Is it just the sample size? Um, is there something to be said about just growth versus um, decline in these two areas? I'm I guess I would say if there is. If there is something to be discerned in that uh, disclosure, I'm just not sure what it is. Uh, it's that's yeah. uh, it's it's kind of catching me off guard a little bit, honestly. Just that it would how you would like like Rob said, get deeper into the story. What would you learn in that respect? I I do I do think that, um, and th- I'm drifting the conversation a bit into some of the pros and cons. But it it is interesting how if a church that's casts a vision for discipleship, just discipleship, wanting to make other people uh, like Jesus and who make other people like Jesus and live their life for that purpose, how you can get hooked onto a one specific method and think that it supersedes and, and, and excels over another particular method. But really what you want to do is just make disciples. So I'm in a context of we're out of space in our, in our church and we started with Sunday school. We love Sunday school. It's great Sunday school. We may have on-campus groups. We also have three off-campus groups because we don't care about what trellis we're, you know, latching our vine onto. We just, we just want to make disciples and use any of those things. And so if our church were part of the survey, we'd say, well, we're growing and we're using both um, because what we're really committed to is the vision of making disciples regardless of, and we want to make good stewards of the space that we've been given and the community that we're in. See, I think that's, that's smart. If you have the facility, um, a lot of churches, especially newer churches, will not have the facility space to accommodate on on-site groups because you're you're in a temporary building, you know, maybe in a, a school or or even building a building. Most likely nowadays, you're not going to build unless you're a large large church. You're not going to build a ton of Sunday school rooms for people to have on-site groups, and so you're pretty much forced to go off-site in in, in people's homes. But if you have the luxury of 
having some space where people can meet in on a Sunday morning, I don't know why you wouldn't um, give them that option because you are going to capture some people that are more likely to walk out of a worship service in, into a Sunday school room or a room or go to a Sunday school room and then go to a worship service that would not go to you know somebody's house on a Tuesday night. So more uh, hooks in the water uh, just makes sense to me. Now, I do think you can get locked in some uh, methodology of how you um, how you facilitate those type of groups because of this kind of space that you're in. So you're more likely to see a, a group that's meeting on campus more teacher based, more having somebody teaching a Bible lesson and you know, a group of people consuming that Bible lesson. I, I, I am not a huge fan of that because you're pretty much doing double work on a Sunday because you can do that on your, in your worship service. Um, and so I would rather have a meeting that is facilitated, that is, uh, you know, a group of people talking about a, a passage of scripture, uh, driven into it a little bit deeper rather than having somebody who's just teaching a group. So you, I think you do have to, and Rob, you have more experience with this. I think you do have to work with uh, the teachers or the facilitators to overcome that that you know that methodology when it comes to on campus is that true? I hundred percent agree with that. I agree with that from a from the pastoral ministry side as well. I mean the the best preaching and the best uh, communicating is received uh, or done uh, in which uh, the the people in the congregation have a relationship with the person in the room in the sense that there's trust and there is a mutual respect and admiration and love for one another. And they know that this person is, uh, has this humble confidence about them that they're not in it for them or their platform. They are in it for the good of the people. And so there's, there's just that. Okay. Well, that same thing these can be present and should be present, even all the more present in a, in a quote Sunday school class and environment. There's a shepherding aspect of teaching that gets uh, neglected, um, a highly relational component to, to teaching that gets neglected. Um, and if you're not careful in a, in a classroom environment, you can draw a line of separation between knowing and being known and delivering content through a study plan. And I just think that there needs to be a very hard effort made on behalf of the teacher in the classroom to cl- create a dynamic where there's a uh, there's love and mutual respect going on in the class, so to speak. Class. I put class in quotes, those of you that aren't watching this on live stream. <laughs> <laughs> you would not uh, allow us to record the video. I just will put that out there. <laughs> or it could be a live stream. Mm-hmm. Rob right. said he's not I'm, camera ready today. Uh, well, I've got a face for podcasting, guys. I think we know that. <laughs> well, historically, Rob, I mean, that's that's been that's been the the uh, delineation is that Sunday school or on campus is more a teaching plan. It's in timed increments because it has to be because that room is going to be turned over. So yes. there's a beginning and there's an end. And a lot of times there's a large group and then you move into either smaller groups or gender specific groups. Yes. And it's and it is moving through material. And there's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end, and there are objectives and there are takeaways. Yes. And it's a little bit more like uh, what we would call purely Bible study, that at the end of that day, you're going to leave knowing more about the scripture and theology and about who Jesus is than, than you did when you came into it. And then historically, well, I was yeah, just going to say, and then historically speaking, the off-campus group 
while not um, not not void of that element, is tend to be couched more relationally yeah. and more in uh, comfort and even maybe the shepherd aspect of the group aspect of a church's ministry. Yeah, and I I one hundred percent understand that that it's way easier to form relationships and put and raise that element um, inside someone's home. I mean, it's a it's a casual hospitable environment that's designed for that purpose before it's designed to open the, open your Bible per se. And, uh, and, and, and if I'm in that environment, I, I have to like, now we do really do need to look at a text together or reflect on the sermon and, and look to the text together, whatever your methodology is for those home groups in the same way that in a Sunday school class environment, I have to work to build relationships and not just be a didactic content deliverer. Something our our friend David Francis um, would do when he would go in to do a conference about Sunday school or, or go into a church to consult them is he would go into a Sunday school room, which typically is set up with some kind of a lectern uh, and, uh, you know, rows of chairs. So, you know, you have your teacher, master teacher kind of a deal is he would uh, put the chairs in circles. And he would say, okay, now how does, how does it feel? Um, you know, do we, do we now automatically think that we're going to be taught uh, by somebody or does it now feel like that we're going to have a discussion and it's just automatic. The way that you design the room and just set up the room is going to change a little bit the way that it's facilitated. And so, you know, in a house, it's just automatically going to be that way. But I'm, I'm intentional when we do a group at our house that, uh, that I get chairs and I make sure that everybody can see each other. Um, that we have good eye contact. And even though we're on couches and different types of chairs, that it's still more of a circle. Um, so being intentional with the environment actually can change the way that a group is, is facilitated. So I would encourage you, if you have more of a Sunday school model, experiment with it. Uh, if you're wanting, if you're wanting to go away from the, the master teacher uh, format, just put them in circles and see what happens. That would be a great series of episodes. Maybe you guys already may have those, you know, best practices for turning a classroom environment into a more relational environment and best practices for turning a highly relational environment into one that still can deliver good, you know, have a really good Bible study and not, not lose track of why you're really there for the Bible and for and to love the Lord. Yeah, Stay one. in your lane, Rob. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm just here to model humility, guys. Hey, oh. Curriculum guy, it's time to stop talking. Okay, well, I'll be there for the classroom discussion. Another thing that David would do, which was fascinating, is when he would do these conferences, he would start them in one big circle. So let's say they had you know, 20, 25 people in this, this breakout of this conference, and he'd start them in one big circle and spend a little bit of time. And then he would change it into two circles, and then he would change it into three circles mm. and he would ask at the end of it which was the better conversation which one were you more able to enter into and it's just a fascinating uh kind of study in in how how that works well one of our prompts that we that we said that we were going to uh, explore is just the the history of this conversation or some of the backstory and i don't i don't know that a long-winded version of that is going to be helpful here but as a part of that as a part of this journey that we've been on there was there was at some at, uh, at some point in this discussion some antagonism between Sunday school advocates and small group advocates or on camp on campus off campus, and then it became there was a movement that we called Chris and Rob hybrid, to where or side by side to where it's like oh okay we'll just try and take the best of both, and then like a church like Village they instituted that it was more 
um, content driven yep. that they they did a side by side, but then they had strict um, not rules, but ways that they approached each of those environments. And now it looks like we are we're at a place to where Rob, kind of like what you hinted at. What is what serves disciple making best and how do we deploy that? And everything's on the table. And so it's not really hybrid, which is like this, um, you know, mashup. And it's not really a side by side, which has separate uh, tracks, so to speak. Um, is this are we at a point now to where if you integrate both of these disciple making environments into any church ministry, is there a generational component to be considered? Like what I've seen is at the younger end of the spectrum, groups really works because uh, the, you know, high school, collegiate, young adults, pre-children are a lot more mobile and a lot more. Uh, let's just say attuned to like the relational aspect of it. But then once the family starts to develop, guys, childcare, from what I can discern, has never really been solved for groups. There's churches that do it well and get past it. But in terms of any kind of uniform solution, I mean, for years I've heard churches say, well, this is what we do. This is what you should do. I haven't really seen anything that works just is truly effective long term. And so to move to have on campus groups for that, that season of life. But then like where most of us are, well, Rob, you wouldn't be there just yet, but Chris and I certainly are. I'm back to where I don't have childcare as a consideration. And I really do like meeting in homes. I mean, is, I guess, I don't know if there's a question in there somewhere, but how does that square with your understanding of like current state and best practices and what can be done and some of the trends that you're seeing? And I think there's another generational one that, that you didn't point out is just the traditional of, uh, it feels like to me, you know, older generations just are used to having more of a Sunday school model, used to doing um, you know, their group on Sundays pre or post the service. And so I think there, there is that too. Um, but yeah, I, I think you can almost go pre pandemic and post pandemic. I think pre pandemic, hmm. um, it was more of the hybrid, more of the side by side. And then the pandemic hit and everybody went off campus pretty much, uh, went online. And then the new hybrid was we're going to have online and in person. And, you know, that became a little bit of a trend And our church does that now. It kind of, it's stuck with us. So we have a ton of online groups and we, we have in-person groups. Um, but I also think people have flooded back into churches and yeah, I, I don't know that there is a trend right now that we can say this is what's working or this is what's happening. What I wasn't seeing successful was the, uh, the hybrid model of just go wherever you feel like you're comfortable. Um, it just, because there's different expectations, there's different, uh, you know, like we said, methodologies between on campus and off campus. And so you'd have people doing both because they wanted more Bible study, but they also wanted some of the, the relational stuff of an off campus. Um, so I don't know. I just haven't really seen a successful true hybrid of off campus and on campus. Although it sounds like Rob, you guys are, are kind of, experimenting with that a little bit. Well, I would, I would hold up one example that without using a church's name uh, here in the, in the community that, that I think is, is doing this as well as it can be done. Um, They are a, they would call themselves a community group church. There are 
you know, dozens of community groups. They are predominantly sermon-based in their effort. They share the responsibility of childcare in the homes to solve that that problem. So they are first and foremost a community group church, in, you know, throughout neighborhoods in the community. On Sunday morning, because of the sheer volume of children, they are in full recognition of the value of a Sunday school hour and uh, around their worship service uh, <clears throat> hours as well. So that all take place on Sunday morning. And so you also have adult Sunday school classes that exist to support really what's going on in the children and the student ministry environments. Those classes have a large master teacher, a large group master teacher, but they are in small group circles. And the master teacher will talk for six, seven, eight minutes and then say, now in your groups, I want you to discuss this. And there may or may not be an assigned table leader that day. Um, for all around the table. So there are relationships being formed around the Bible, first and foremost, in support of what's really going on for children and students. But for the adults, the actual relationships in, as hospitality, discipleship is taking place in those community groups through the week. Yeah, I, yeah, that's interesting. Um, and as you were talking, I mean, we're basically doing that at Harvest. We took uh, what was a new believers class, which was a master teacher, um, you know, straight up somebody just teaching things and turned it into a small group experience still with a master teacher facilitating it. And so what we did is we cut down the content, turn, put more facilitation questions into it, but you still have one person at the front of the room, but a lot of people are around tables, you know, and, and they'll talk for a little bit or the master teacher will talk and then they will discuss it around their tables. So we we're doing, we're doing that, whether we want, well, whatever we want to call that, it's a small group experience led by a master teacher. Which of the, which of these two approaches lends itself most to uh, leadership uh, leader development and volunteerism. Ooh, good question. I oh. defer to the elder Chris Surratt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I mean, it depends on how it's set up. I, I do probably leader development. Um, an easier version of it would be the Sunday school on campus model um, because you can control it more and you have more oversight from staff and, you know, they can step into a classroom and help, you know, help uh, facilitate some of those conversations that need to happen to bring up the next leaders. Whereas with on off campus, you know, you're really just trusting these leaders to invest in somebody and raise them up and you can give them all the training and all the, um, advice and, and all of that, but you're still saying, you know, I'm not there. You're going to need to raise these, these, uh, next generation leaders up. So I do think there is maybe probably an easier component of leadership development when it comes to on campus, but you also asked about volunteer. I think you're going to get more volunteers through an off campus because you can just have more. You can have, you can start groups and like we try to start a ton of groups every single semester and we need more leaders and new leaders to do that. And so there's this call for volunteers to do that. Also, you know, through childcare and some of those other things we need volunteers uh, in. So I almost see that as a two headed coin. You've got leadership development on the on campus and you've got volunteer dri drive more on the off campus. So, and I'm, I'm glad I asked Chris for, to go first because I think I would have said the exact opposite of <laughs> what he said. I, I think the, both the, um, for, for if I'm in groups in a house, 
uh, leading a small group that is largely discussion oriented is, and that's the presumption that I'm making about, about what those environments are like, that I've got a list of questions here that I just need to kind of work through. Um, maybe I've had the, heard, heard the sermon in particular. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of the scenario I've got in my mind. I, I would just think that to have a substitute for that and therefore eventually over the course of the year, create an opportunity for someone to lead their own group, that that's not just a, a lower bar uh, to, to clear um, and equip somebody else to lead that group. But, but it actually is, I mean, it is kind of this thing that you want to replicate all the way through the life of the church. There's not seven rungs above that for, for making disciples and leading groups. Like that's really is what you want you to do is be hospitable and, and facilitate a, a conversation around the Bible and around the message that's being communicated that week. If I'm in a Sunday school environment, it's, you need to, you just spend a couple hours, uh, ma'am, working on your Sunday school lesson. Uh, in advance, and there's an expectation of some sort of theological and biblical acuity that that you want that person to have, and I think that the the training required to get that person there is longer. To say nothing of the things they have to overcome in themselves to find the confidence in them to do that to do that job. And that's, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, why he has doctor in front of his name, and I don't. <laughs> I think I make small groups out to be easier than they actually are. That's what I think. Um, and I, you know, I do have a lot of preaching and teaching in my background, and it comes very naturally to me to lead a large group and then force somebody into a small group really quickly. So, you know. Well, that's a question because, it's, you know, again, just looking at the, just looking at how we got here, we were evangelicalism. Churches was, we were Sunday school until I think. 60s and early 70s. I know Lyman Coleman gets a lot of credit for the modern small group movement, but really it was the uh, church growth movement of the 70s, and in particular places like Willow Creek and Saddleback uh, that were growing, that were outgrowing space faster than, well, they were outgrowing space. They were they were attracting members faster than they could house them for Christian education and for discipleship, and so the small group movement in that respect was out of necessity. Not out of some like um, objective that it was the preferred model, but then because it worked and because those churches continued to grow, then we had that momentum that comes out of it. So I was just wondering, you know, if we how that fits into the conversation is on campus. On campus certainly has its its plus side. Childcare is one ease, uh, the communication factor. It just makes sense that we're already there. There's a, there's a logical flow, uh, either before a worship service or after a worship service. So there's a lot of those things that really work with on campus. I know childcare is probably, I mean, some of the peripheral things, notwithstanding childcare seems to be the big win for on campus. Yeah. I mean, the number one question I get whenever I do any type of training is, how do we handle childcare? How do we handle childcare? And like you said, it hasn't been answered or conquered when it comes to off campus, but it has with on campus pretty much. I mean, because it's there. So uh, I, I, I am a believer in both and just know what the expectations are for both and have, uh, you know, clear goals for what both looks like. And, you know, they're going to be different. They're not going to be the same experience. They're going to be different and that's okay. Just know what they are and then have the right type of training and expectations and job descriptions for your leaders and all that fit that, that, uh, that environment. I like the integrated model too. I do. 
Chris, do you, do you see any relationship between um, um, hospitality, small groups uh, off campus, and evangelism? So one of the theories that I have is that someone's actually far more willing to participate in a in a group as a non-Christian. Like they're much more willing to come if it's not in some large sacred looking building or even a, something that looks more like a warehouse or whatever. That it's that it's in someone's home. They've invited them there personally. Um, I'm, I'm curious if you've seen any relationship between evangelism and one of these tactics. Oh, absolutely. And I'm a big believer in using small groups, not just for discipleship. And I mean, evangelism leads to discipleship, but also for evangelism. And I've seen that play out in our group. We've had people in the past that we have met. We met a girl through a wedding and she happened to sit at our table and through conversation, we decided, you know what, the best first invite would be to our small group, not to our church. She came to our small group for like two or three months before she even visited our church and eventually ended up in church, baptized, you know, the whole whole thing. But, um, but yeah, now is it the majority? No, but I think being open and training your leaders to be open to making those invites is wise because it is, like you said, it's easier for a lot of people than going to a church. There may be pain in the past when it comes to the idea of a church, or it may just be intimidating. I haven't been to church in 30 years, man, stepping back into it, but I could go to your home for dinner and a conversation. Yeah. Mm. Well, let us know what you think. Uh, I'm sure everyone listening out there has a position on this or some thoughts. So you can reach out through Twitter or, um, yeah, I guess Twitter. Just Twitter's Twitter. good. Twitter's That's good. right. Twitter's great. Yeah, or, let's, uh, let's, let's let's bring some joy to Twitter. Some happiness. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and bring some, you know comments on the on the on the post as well. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you, Doctor Rob Tins, for being with us. And Chris, as always, it's always good. Always good to see you. You know, C was in air quotes there. That's true. We'll see you on down the road. <laughs>